doing something a wee bit different. We're meeting down here, just a bit kind of stripped back as people are away and all the rest of it. Um, and during this summer, we're taking a look at a week series of the seven signs of Jesus in John's Gospel. And George gave us a great start last week. He was talking about changing water into wine and about just having obedience to the Father, uh, to Jesus. And that was a brilliant start on that. And just this whole thing of signs just kind of got me thinking a little bit. So what are signs and what are they all about? So, you know, signs point us to something. So you're driving on the road and the, road, the sign will point you to uh, Glasgow or Inverness or a diversion. And when the signs disappear, you think, where am I? You've diverted me somewhere and I don't know where I am. So we kind of depend on signs to a large extent. And they also convey information. So if you go to a museum or um, a historic site, there'll be signs which will tell you all about what's going on. And I think the signs in the Bible as well very much are the same kind of thing. They're pointing us in a direction and they're giving us information. But they point beyond... Uh... Yeah, so, so as I say, they, they don't just give us information, but they actually point us to Jesus. So they convey spiritual truths and they reveal who Jesus is. Now there were signs in the Old Testament Moses was described as doing signs, and uh, we saw that in, when he was in Egypt, that actually he displayed signs of power. So he had his staff, he went into the Pharaoh and said, you know, he wanted to say, let my people go, and when he said no, he was able to throw down his staff, and it turned into a snake, and he picked it up again. Uh-huh. That's kind of pretty scary, I reckon. Um, <laughs> wouldn't like that to happen. He spoke the word and the plagues came upon Egypt. And so there we see a number of different things that these signs were for. First of all, they authenticated Moses. They said, you know, he is God's man. He, uh, and it spoke not just to the uh, Pharaoh and to the leaders in Egypt, but also to the Israelites as well. And it would have put the fear of God into the Egyptians, at least ultimately, um, when the plagues played out, they finally, the Pharaoh realized, this is a God that we don't want to mess with, and he released God's people. So it brought the fear of God, but it also brought courage to the Israelite people as well. That God was on their case, God was on their side. So these signs in John that we're looking at over this summer, one week, they they authenticate Jesus' ministry. They tell us something about who he is. And also, they're there to bring people to repentance, to bring them to salvation. So in John 20, verse 31, it says, But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John, the writer, this was the purpose. It was to show who Jesus was, to show that he was the Christ from God, the 
Messiah that Israel was expecting. But also, not only that you might intellectually know that, but also that you might then buy into that and have the life that he had on offer. So there were many other signs. But John chose these particular seven so that we would know who Jesus is and that we would believe and have life in him. Okay, so that's kind of the background, if you like. So let's dive into John's Gospel. And uh, Today we're looking at uh, Jesus healing the official's son. Now a bit of background to this, because it kind of touches on it in the story. So Jesus had been in Jerusalem at the Passover, and he'd driven the moneylenders out of the temple, and he had... Um, been preaching and teaching and doing miracles and signs of wonders. And then he disappeared after the, it started to get a bit hot and the uh, religious leaders were not liking it. And so he was heading back to Galilee and he went through Samaria and he met the woman at the well and uh, just had that incredible word of knowledge about her and her family and saw you know, salvation again in this. And he was then heading back to Galilee. So from Samaria in verse 43 it says, After the two days he left for Galilee. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They'd seen all that he'd done in Jerusalem uh, at the Passover feast. For they had also been there. So there was kind of a, an expectancy that something was going to happen. And once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he turned water into wine. So that's last week's story. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. So Capernaum's a little way away from Cana. And when the man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you'll never believe. But the royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. And then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. And this was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. So what a great story. Um, so Jesus coming back from Jerusalem through Samaria, uh, the people had seen all that he'd been doing. And there was just this real rise of faith and this uh, royal official, it says, he, you know, his son was really, really ill. And when he heard Jesus was there, I guess he'd heard all these stories as well. And so, you know what it's like with your kids when they're not well? There's just that, ah, I've got to do something uh, for them. And so he reached out to Jesus. And, yeah, so... So just, I guess, two or three things I wanted to pick out 
from here. The first thing was actually Jesus' first response. So, um, and uh, he says, unless you see miracles and signs and wonders, you will never believe. And I think there's kind of a little bit of a, a scolding here. I, I mean, when Jesus talked to Thomas uh, after, after his resurrection, he, he said, blessed are you, Thomas, because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe who haven't seen. And that's us. We believe. We haven't seen necessarily in person, but we've caught something of what Jesus is. And, and so there's that faith which comes. But nevertheless, the signs and wonders actually are important. But I think what he's saying is that actually these things are not there for their own sake. They're not just to kind of, you know, make you feel good or to, you know, just that little bit of spice on, on top of the... the the meal, you know, it's, it's, there's actually something deeper and more important about them. They're not just the tabloid headlines. Secondly, they require faith. And that's what we see here. This royal official, he'd come to Jesus. Jesus says, okay, off you go, your son's going to live. Now, he really wanted Jesus to go there, lay his hands on him, whatever. But he took Jesus at his word. And, you know, the fact that he was going home, his servants met him on the way. Again, it tells you how far away it was. It said it was yesterday at one o'clock he was talking to him. So this was obviously some journey. But as he gets back, he discovers that his child has been made well. So it requires faith. And then the result of this, at the end of of the passage, was that uh, it says, so he and all his household believed. So when a sign or a wonder happens, then that's, uh, the result is salvation. So, I guess as Hope Church, we are quite unapologetic about pursuing the supernatural, the signs of God, if you like. Um, it, it talks in 2 Timothy 3, about people that having a form of godliness but denying the power. And that's not the religion that I want. Um, I don't know about you, but there is so much more that God has for us. And so these signs and wonders, these acts of God, they're like God's calling card, if you like. And it's something that we want to pursue. Say so it's not for the big headlines, it's not for um, just the sensationalism, but actually... They, both, first of all, they're a sign for us to increase our faith. Yeah. It's why we do testimonies. We share the good things that God has done. Yeah. It stirs our faith. As we see God doing incredible things in different people's lives, it stirs our own faith for our own lives and for the people around us as well. Yeah. And then secondly, they're a sign to the unsaved. There's nothing more powerful than somebody unsaved maybe coming into our meeting being healed by God or just a touch from God they're a sign to the unsaved to bring them to salvation now these signs and wonders can look like lots of different things it can be a healing it could be provision in a miraculous way it might be just when you lay a hand on somebody's shoulder and there's just that touch of the Holy Spirit warmth or just uh, God's peace uh, flooding over them. 
It can be a miracle of multiplying food. It can look so many different ways. But ultimately, it's an expression of the love of God. It's God's overflow through us uh, to people around us. Now, the commission of Jesus in Mark 16 says this, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They'll drive out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, they'll pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They'll place their hands on sick people, and they will become well. So these signs were not just for Jesus, they were not just for the Old Testament prophets, but actually they're something that God wants us as his church to embrace and to step into. As we have faith in him, as we reach out, then those signs become ours. Jesus said, you know, what I do and greater things you will do. So, as I say, as a church, we just sense there is more. God has more for us. We're learning. We don't always get it right. It doesn't always happen. But actually, as we stir our hearts, as we step out in faith, it's amazing how God does step in. And, you know, we've seen incredible miracles over our journey as a church. And I just have a real sense that God has more for us as well. And it says in Hebrews 10.24, let us spur one another on to love and to good deeds, not forsaking the gathering together, as some have done. And that's just a place where we find that encouragement, the emboldening, if you like, of the Spirit. And all the more as we see the day approaching. You know, church, we're looking to a day when Jesus is going to come back for a glorious bride. And I believe that it's going to be a glorious bride who is just releasing his signs and wonders in the earth. So, yeah, I just want to encourage you. Um, Yeah, step out. As you hear uh, testimonies of what God has done, take them for yourself. You know, God... It just thrills his heart when we put our faith in him and we step out and do those things. So, yeah, I've seen signs and wonders lots and lots of them. From the very mundane, just hugging somebody and saying, oh, I just really felt God. Praying for people and seeing them healed. I've seen glory clouds. I've seen all kinds of things. But what I do know is that God wants to express his love through signs and wonders. And as we go through these different um, uh, signs in John over these few weeks, let's just draw that in. God, what's that tell me about you? And what does that tell me about what you want me to share um, to the people around and about?